myself again, you know. Oh yeah, I know goodbye when I hear it. She smiled, but her heart's already out there. Walking down the street, she says, I don't want nobody else, I love you. She's lying. There won't be somebody else, and that's true. She's lying. So you'll always be my friend, sweet darling. What does she pretend? Christmas and welcome to another Bang Bang Podcast Christmas Cracker. Uh, on each one of these episodes, I'm joined by a special guest to talk about one of their favourite matches of all time and a bit of a chat about some of their Christmas faves at the same time. Um, today, I'm joined by Mr. Mark Fox again. Hello, mate. How are we doing? I'm well, yeah. Cold and shivering, but all right. <laughs> yeah. you know, cold and shivering is going to be the theme of many people in the UK over the next two years, I think, isn't it? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Just start on a, a couple of these. <laughs> a couple of these I've recorded back in sort of 
uh late autumn time in shorts and t-shirt and uh yeah yeah, yeah. but this is definitely a bit more degrees. festive 39 degrees <laughs> yeah. you know the, the heat wave that we had for like 24 hours and then uh yeah to be honest though like uh, it's meant to be cold in december um so i'm glad that it is in in the environmental aspect of things i'm just not so glad about the fact that people can't afford to keep fucking warm yeah (laughs) you know it's that kind of toss-up isn't it it's a bit shit yeah 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 we might join this for episode um i can't remember the name number of it now but we're talking about in your house free back in the back (laughs) in the heady days of summer autumn time what did we do that Um, for (laughs) why (laughs) (laughs) the fuck did you let me pick that for (laughs) Oh, I don't know. I think oh, it was alright. Somebody... Right. Yeah, I've got hazy, think... hazy fond memories, as you know, from '93 to '95. That's just, that's yeah. my that's my wank bank collection. You know what I mean? That's where all my um my positive memory energy is. Um, yeah, and it gets shit on a lot, so I feel like I've got to defend it till the end, even though it's through rose tinted glasses a lot of the time. There's a lot of fucking good shit in '93 to '95, but everything is usually the focus points on the negative stuff. So I try yeah. to redeem myself and and thought that year frame and um i don't know <laughs> i don't know if i was convinced i'm not sure if you achieved that on that episode or not i don't know but <laughs> why i went Go back and check it out anyway <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well. if you want an, an in-depth reappraisal of the million dollar corporation and its <laughs> members then uh check out that episode because there's one on there <laughs> yeah yeah right. but um yeah so we start most of these episodes off with finding out a bit more about our guests christmas faves and uh and uh special christmas traditions anything like that so i'm going to start off with the the burning subject of what's your uh favorite christmas song christmas song right it's a it's a mm. oh, see this is a tricky one this because it, it is actually linked to the film as well um okay. so because i know that you're gonna ask me about what my favorite christmas film is yeah um i've got lots as many people do i've got lots that i love lots that i hate um yeah. being a musician and an artist i can't help but enjoy things that are maybe a bit more animated i suppose i like i, I get a kick out of animation um okay. more so in my in my adulthood you know like I, I get a bit more of a kick out of animation more so in you know from my 20s through my 30s going into my 40s than i did when i was younger um so i've gone with uh this i'll i'll, I'll mention both it makes sense to mention both so the yeah, film yeah. So the, the yeah. film is the nightmare before christmas Tim Burton, absolutely okay. brilliant animation classic. Uh, and the song, what's this? What's this? It's something in the air. What's this? Something oh, over there. Uh, what's this? Yeah, yeah, and all that yeah. shit. I think it was used. The thing, the problem is with The Nightmare Before Christmas is, well, the, I won't start with a problem. I won't start with a negative. I'll start with a positive. <laughs> and that's Night yeah. Before Christmas. It's fucking class, right? It's a great animation. It's a really fun story. It was, when it came out, it was pretty groundbreaking with the type of animation that it was doing. Um, the characters are phenomenal for me as a, somebody who enjoys a lot of ca- uh, character art. I like I like drawing characters. That's part of what I do as a day job. Um, it was really fun seeing all these really quirky characters living in that evil town, if you were like, you know, the nightmare town. So I celebrate yeah. Halloween every year. And then that crossover into Christmas. I think Santa's a dick. But I'm a really big fan okay. of the, of the evil characters. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm a fan of all of, of the darkness, um, the Ministry of Darkness. Um, but <laughs> I, I really enjoyed that film, and I think it's really good. It, it crosses all sort of boundaries, like all age groups. 
it, it's it's fun for adults. It can be fun for kids. It's one of those where you can watch it. I can watch it with my six year old, and we both get a kick out of it. It's not like I'm pretending yeah. to like it for her sake. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. I'm oh, sure yeah, you're yeah. aware of that shit. <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, and, um, and the songs in there are just I, uh... so catchy, man. They're, they're just so catchy. They're almost yeah. like sort of show tunes or like um, you know, they could work brilliant on a stage. It can. It's they're just really, really catchy, really fun songs and well written, basically. So yeah, yeah. what's I don't even know if that's what its name is, but what's this? What's this? Nightmare Before Christmas. That song, yeah, it's going to be on the end of this show, so we'll find out what it is later. Yeah, on. All right, man. But um, uh, I, I tried to watch that with my eldest. I think she's still a bit. Um, she's eight, and she's still a bit wary about watching anything even remotely kind of spooky. So I think we started watching. Like, no, I don't want to watch <laughs> it. Come on, watch it. I was like, at your age, I was watching fucking gremlins and robocop and things like that when i was a kid but completely yeah. mate my one's my six-year-old she's like yeah. my six-year-old she's like um she's really into halloween and shit like no i don't mean like hit like, halloween jason <laughs> i haven't thrown yeah, her down, yeah. I haven't thrown her down that wormhole yet but um she likes like witches and wizards and like dragons and all that shit so um i, I was curious to see how she'd deal with it but she she loved it like she she found it funny so that's great but to yeah, treat. i think the the most graphic thing we've been, I got them to watch the original, uh, the witches. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. When they, when they start peeling their kind of heads off and uh-huh. turn the children into mice. And I think they managed to get away with that with no nightmares. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. On, on the, on the path to uh, more graphic stuff. Yeah. But obviously I'm not, not, I'm not in any way. Am I suggesting people make their eight year old kids watch Robocop? Or <laughs> but, no, I am. I am. Make but, them watch. Yeah. Robocop. Yeah. Marcus. Yeah. 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 Uh, make them watch yeah, yeah. Uh, make them watch Hellraiser. Make them watch um, Nightmare on Elm Street before Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> so yeah, 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 yeah. Pushes the blow. Don't do any of that, but you can if you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, don't have children. That's the best advice I can give Basically. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we'll move on then. So we've we've covered the first two. So then your three essentials of a Christmas lunch. Right, I assume because I, obviously I don't know how many people you've spoken to yet, or how many people you're going yeah. to speak to, and I'm and I'm few, guessing, yeah. I'm guessing the vast majority are going to be Yorkshire puddings, roast potatoes, obvious. So, I, I imagine some of the big, um, some people, of the big, big contenders are probably yeah. to be mentioned. Yeah. So I've tried to be a bit yeah. more, I've tried to be a bit more personal to how I like mine, which is the name okay. of this game, isn't it? So honey roast parsnips. Yeah. I bloody love honey roast parsnips Ooh, yeah. on a on a on a Christmas lunch. Um, if they're done right, if you cook them with the roast potatoes as well and go through that mm. whole that whole process. I'm a massive roast potato fan. I do it properly. Yeah. Oh, it yeah. Takes, I take an hour and a half to make my roast potatoes. Yep, um, me too, yeah. I love them. Um, so honey roast parsnips in there as well. I love all that shit. Um, the essential thing that I don't know if people are just going to oversee it without thinking about it because it's such an obvious one. Gravy. Fucking lashings of gravy. Yeah. Real, real gravy, man. Gravy. Mm. Um, no offence to any vegetarians or vegans on it, but I really love my proper meaty gravy. Um, uh-huh. Love it. It has to be cooked properly. And uh, <laughs> this <laughs> this one, I'm not I'm not quite sure if it's uh, if it's a standard on many people's plates, let alone okay. Christmas lunch. But <laughs> French yourself, everybody. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like what an we, ox's head or something like that on the plate. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, mate. It sounds worse than it is. It's um, we call it fondly call it a granddad salad. <laughs> Okay, that sounds concerned. We're off to a good start, are we? This is so great, but yeah, go on. I can win you around by telling you that it's drenched in vinegar. Does that help? Okay. <laughs> Granddad salad. Mm. Right, so what it is, if um, any, any of your Midland listeners 
Um, yeah. There's something out there. You do a bit of research on it. It's called a. It's called a Yorkshire salad, and it's okay. like a, It's basically loads of cut up little greens like spring onions and um, lettuce. Not iceberg lettuce, mind proper lettuce, and um, okay. other little green bits. You've got to chop them really, 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 really finely, and let them soak in vinegar and sugar overnight. Right. And then it creates basically like a sort of a, a vinaigrette style kind of thing that works incredibly well with roasted vegetables and, and gravy and meat. It just, it works a treat. Um, but I got addicted to that as a youngster because it was my granddad's favorite thing to okay. eat. He put fucking like tables, put travels of it <laughs> on any food he was eating. Yeah. <laughs> you know, fish fingers, you know, put loads of that on. Um, he, he loved it. Like it's a proper Yorkshireman's dish. And where when I have a group, I grew up in County Durham, which is just like north of it's between sort of Newcastle and Yorkshire essentially, so you get the best of the Geordies and the Yorkshire Brigade. Um yeah. so we got a lot of um I got a lot of that kind of shit growing up. And it is it's just one of them. It's a speciality <laughs> for poor people. <laughs> yeah. Lived on it, man. It, 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 it sounds like some out of the viz, doesn't it? Some out of Roger Melly's <laughs> Profanosaurus, yeah. Granddad's salad, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so many things covered in vinegar, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, what is granddad's yeah. There's a lot of vinegar in it, I bet there is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like yeah. it. Okay. Uh, but, well, mate, I honestly, want, yeah. yeah, it's 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 up there, you know, when you, if people, it's the kind of thing that you have alongside, you you know, if it's in the same realm as your cranberry sauce, your mint sauce, your apple sauce, that kind of thing, it's like an, it's one of those components to a dish. Yeah, it's an additional yeah. component. Um, okay. Take it, leave it, but I love it. I love a bit of mint sauce as well, but granddad salad, man. Granddad salad. <laughs> yeah. If anyone anyone wants a recipe for granddad salad, you can get in contact with Mike directly. Mike <laughs> Twitter right. and, uh, he'll give you the recipe, yeah. Just yeah. get a campaign together and see if Asda will stock it or, you know, Morris yeah. might get it in. Or... <laughs> yeah. I still think you made that, to be honest. Salad. But yeah, I'll go <laughs> Right. So we'll, we'll move on to the wrestling portion of the show. Now we've got over. Uh, <laughs> Granddad's salad. Yeah. Uh, so, what match have you picked for us? Right, I've picked a, 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 a barnstormer. Um, I'll say it straight off the bat, and then we'll go into waxing lyrical about it. But it's from the yeah. ECW, their very first pay per view, uh, barely legal in uh, was it April 1997. Um, it's a three way yeah. Japanese match. It's a, sorry, the six man Japanese match, but um, three three people per team being. Uh, I suppose they were classed as the faces in the match, being Great Suzuki, um, Yokosuji and uh, Hamada against Takamishi Nuko, Terry Boy, or Men's Teo, if you're going to go by his original name, and Dick Togo, who was sporting the BWO Japan gear, or Kai and Tai, as we know and love them previously. Yeah. Um, so it's the um, it's 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 three against three, and it's absolutely magical. Um, before I go nuts about it and uh, explain why I love it so much, what what was your thoughts? Because was this the first time you'd seen it, Andy, or have you have you seen it in the yeah. past? You've gone back to watch it. What was a crack for you? No, this is the first time I've seen this match. Obviously, I'd seen um, my first exposure to Taka was in WWF. There's a lot of people, I suppose, that weren't really in in tune with the whole wrestling world at this period. So, yeah, so my, my memories of Taka were his sort of run as a light heavyweight champion. And then when Kai and Tai came in, he was involved in the heel. Kai and Tai was him and the, the guys chopping off Darwinus' knob. That was... Um, <laughs> choppy, choppy pee-pee. Uh, choppy, choppy pee-pee. Yeah, yeah. That was when Thomas said to me, Taka Michinoku. I think, I think of A, his feud with um, Brian Christopher and yeah. Jerry Lawler just being fucking irritating. Brilliant. And then <laughs> Darwinus' knob. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
pretty much. But yeah, this match is it. nuts. Yeah. 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 It's 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 an interesting match. It's um what I love about it and why I picked this particular match is because it like although I'm sure you'll you'll um agree as well anybody who watched early nineties WWF and even WCW to be fair we were kind of introduced. If you hadn't, if you didn't have access to Japanese wrestler, we were we were kind of um, there was a bit of a carrot dangle from both WCW and WWF. I WCW, you know, the, the introducers like the likes of Great Muta. Um, yeah. We saw wrestlers like a bit later on. We got to see wrestlers like Ultimo Dragon, um, who had obviously the Mexican influence as well. In WWF, we had people like Hakushi, Jinsei Shinzaki, mm-hmm. who we'll get into actually in a little while on this chatter. Um, yeah. Paul Nakano. Um, so we, we we were sprinkled with a little bit of kind of um, this is what you can ex- expect. And when I think when me and you were chatting last time, I, I might have professed my my absolute love for Hakushi. I thought he's he's one of those wrestlers mm. who I was just mesmerised by him when I was younger. I must have been about what, eleven or twelve when I first saw him on WWF yeah. TV. Um, and I was just like, wow, that is, it's just something so different. And I started watching his matches that he was having with, especially his little run with, with Brett. So mm, yeah. the, the, the carrot was dangled, but after that, I had no access to it. I didn't know. I wasn't smart to find out how to access Japanese wrestling in 1995 or whatever. So when this pay-per-view came along, this was barely legal. I think it was the first time I'd ever, for a lot of people as well, became aware of ECW. So it was mm. my first pay-per-view that I found. And I found it, to be fair, I got it from a tape trader. I think it was the very beginning of 98. So oh, No, it wasn't. It was about the end of 97. So it was maybe about okay. six, six or seven months after the event took place, you know. Um, and it blew my mind. I'd never seen anything like this. Mm. Um, ever, just, just the fact that there was six Japanese wrestlers competing in an American wrestling ring was even then it was like this is different like it, it there was a real interesting feeling about it It wasn't like you know Jack, yokozuna versus hulk hogan or lex luger it wasn't like you know yeah. the, the the japanese evil overlord against uh, american hero kind of bullshit it was yeah six wrestlers who all looked pretty interesting a bit different some of them one of them's dressed like fucking christmas elf <laughs> I've got no idea what he went for that look for, but um, and then you've yeah. got the, like the, how Suzuki looked um, as a ninja. I mean, he looked mint. So and obviously as well, he'd like sort of dabbled with the teaser with him and WWF as we'll get into as well. Yeah, this was the first time there was something really in my face saying this is what Japanese wrestling is, and I really soaked it up because, again, yeah had a it was it was wonderful seeing what the light heavyweights were doing in every in every company at that point in in america in wf wcw and ecw they were all offering light heavyweights up but as i say this added something a little bit extra um and it made me really curious i suppose as to what it was all about even everything from the streamers at the beginning of the match i'd never seen anything like that before all the fans are on the streamers at the ring yeah it's wonderful thing. It's like, you know, it, it happens a lot in Japan. And I was like, whoa. And I really appreciated Joey Styles um, almost giving you an introduction to what Japanese wrestling is. His talk through of it all at the time yeah. was actually really helpful. You know, you, you yeah. got to understand a bit more. We maybe take it for granted now because it's so accessible. But then it wasn't at all, man. Like 1997, unless you knew about tape trays and you knew what you're on about and you're reading the dirt sheets properly and the, and the, and the mags. I wasn't. I, I was too young to really appreciate that stuff. So I was in that middle ground where this was that really yeah. caught my attention, really caught my attention, smacked me around the face big time. Um, and it was yeah. 
fucking crackers, let's be honest. The match was just typical ECW. Anything can happen in the ring. Constant three-on-one. Referee didn't give a shit. Yeah. Just, there was times where no, I saw no, him wrestling, no, against no. The, wrestling against the ropes, just looking outside. <laughs> so it was just spark, spark a cigarette. Yeah, or something. See, uh, to see how old Hamada was. He was 47. Hamada, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. At this point. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, He's some boy. He's a very, very prestigious wrestler for for, for Mishinuko Pro. Um, got so so many championships over the years as well. So they brought him over yeah. as kind of like, you know, he. I think when Mishinuko Pro started up, he was kind of one of the main main reasons to tune in. You know, he was the kind of poster yeah. boy a bit for the light heavyweight um, division. And he, yeah, when you look at him, especially compared to uh, to, to Yaku. It was like he was what, only four years in by that point. He was, he was about yeah. ten. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like Chris himself and the Green Ranger rolled into one. Um, that's yeah. what he's doing. It does look but, a bit like all the everybody else in the, in the in the matches probably you know they look early twenties yeah, at, yeah. at the most, and then it's like you know there's dad in the corner beating the shit. <laughs> <laughs> well then. Um, I mean, it's it's kind of, as we were saying before, it's kind of difficult to really call this match. So I thought of I would course, yeah. give a you know, I'm not pretending to be an oracle at all, at all about Mishnuko Pro or anything like that. But I've got I've got a little bit of knowledge about what they were yeah. turned into and why they were and why they came over and blah 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 and what they went on to do. But this match itself, I mean, it was essentially three versus three, and occasionally all three members of one team would get in the ring and kick the shit out of the other one. And the referee didn't do anything about it. And there was little interference from the other side to make any saves. It was that side of things. It just didn't really kind of make sense, which was ECW. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. um, but what they displayed in the ring, the actual, the how the tag team worked together to perform moves, like the three-on-one attacks. Yeah. The sequencing was fucking spectacular and it was all impactful and it seemed to mean something. Um, and it was again at the time groundbreaking for me um yeah double kind of almost like arm arm lock boston crab-esque looking kind of hold while somebody else bounces off the ropes and does a double drop kick to the face it's just like what that's that's insane but then into a suplex and all that you know just what yeah it it really caught you off guard it did for me yeah you didn't see sort of free man moves very rarely i mean you don't really see them today do you that often i suppose in, in in mainstream sort of wrestling um like they even do like the way they do like a three man powerbomb and this is like oh yeah it's like the uh, like the shield which was twenty yeah, years yeah. later yeah. yeah 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 and things um, like you know like the, the the typical kind of thing where there's a the two man move where it, you know might be a double suplex or something but then somebody comes with a with a some kind of springboard you know a frog splash or something like that where the moves just sort of sequence nicely together and everybody's like shit that you could tell by the reaction of the crowd that they were like. Wow, this is wow, this yeah. is something special, isn't it? And yeah. to be fair as well, like this was their second time trying this formula because a week before they did the sort of the preview show of the pay per view, which oh, I think okay. it's like the a week or two before they did pretty much exactly the same match, different maneuvers. But I think a lot of people, include myself, if you go back, actually think that that was probably um, arguably more more of a, a better match, okay. whatever that means, um, in yeah. terms of how how the sequencing worked in ring. However, because I watched it quite close to the time and because it impacted me the way it did and it was on a pay-per-view and it was the first ever pay-per-view, it was, there was all of those things together made this match. Yeah. Um, and I think, I don't know what you think about this as well. I mean, Suzuki, I'll get into Suzuki in a sec, but Mishinuko for me really stood out yeah. as like, 
he's got something like he's he's like you know as as a young mind at the time he's the best even mm. though Suzuki looked the best but and he did some cool shit but as Taka just I don't know he just oozed something else he had a coolness about him and a cheek about him and everything he was doing looked really really cool and crisp and fun yeah and he looked it probably helped he looked he looked really young as well and he looked like a little sort of baby face sort of and if you're looking for that underdog sort of character yeah yeah but can also do all the kick-ass stuff as well which is kind of Absolutely. what he was um so you can see why you know he eventually because when did when did they have the match on um canadian stampede that was was that this that was, was that this, um yeah what have been nice that was um was that in your house 16 wasn't it was that the one yeah. it was taka versus great suzuka yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, that was so the crack was with that was that um originally WWF were interested in going for Suzuki. They wanted Suzuki, okay. they wanted to design Suzuki. Um and then people got on the ear and I think Pritchard possibly and a couple of others, maybe JR, I'm not quite sure exactly who, but agents got on the ear and said, Look, we want we should be going for Taka. He's mm-hmm. like nobody I don't I don't know if the reasons have ever come out as such as to why, other than maybe there's more of an upside because of his age. Um, he doesn't own the company, whereas Grant Suzuki owned Mishinuko Pro okay, at the time. You know? right, yeah. So it's like, um, there's a lot of things going on there. Maybe, maybe, you know, it was just one of those kind of things where let's go, we've got the, let's go for the young guy. There's more of an upside. Obviously the problem was, is that he didn't speak any English. Hmm. Um, so then he came in, they did, they did the stuff with Great uh, Suzuki. Then the rest of uh, Mishinuko Pro, uh, uh, well, Kai and Tai yeah. came over. Um, and then naturally a few of them left, but Funaki ended up staying on and yeah. from the tag team with Taka. And then Taka left and Funaki ended up staying until about 2012 or somewhere, didn't he? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, he was still there for years, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he learned English, you see. So yeah. credit to him, he learned English when he was over. So he got he got the sort of the, uh, the nod of approval. Um, but yeah, so they were originally going to be going for Great Suzuki. That's who they had on the cards when, when they all came over. So for me, when they came over to wrestle for ECW, I think. I mean, I don't, I'm just guessing here, but I'm assuming Heyman was playing the whole cards of luck. I've got this connection with WWF. Yeah. Um, you know, we're doing some we're doing some moving and shaking together. I've got this pay-per-view here, you know, Rob Van Dam and a couple of the other guys on Raw, blah, blah, blah. Maybe you get yourself spotted as well by coming yeah. over here. It was a bit of a spotlight for them, hoping that Vince would take notice, and that was the plan all along. Yeah. Um, so I'm assuming that's how they kind of got them over and then that relationship ended up taking form because to be honest with you right so Great Suzuki I mentioned before he owned um, Mishinuko Pro he founded yeah. it and he owned it from I think it was 92 1992 he owned it from so it's a, it's, a, it's been running a fair while you know it was it was running while when um, when um, Hakushi came over to WWF um, who later then took over the ownership of Mishinuko Pro as well okay. believe it or not like a lot later I think he had it since about 2003 Shinzaki owned Mishinuko Pro, and that was all because Great, Great Suzuki wanted to run for Parliament in Japan. Of course, of course he did, yeah. And, yeah. and then he naturally, you know, yeah, um, he got elected as well. He was the first really? ever masked uh, ambassador, masked politician in <laughs> Japanese <laughs> culture. Yeah. He got elected, yeah. but he I couldn't tell you what you the crack was with his party or what he stood for. Maybe better yeah. than we don't find out, innit? You know, it's not yeah, really probably illusion. for the best, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but um. Yeah, he ended up there uh, part. So he handed, he originally handed the company over. Well, prior to all that, he had some pretty nasty injuries. He had to step back a bit. He handed sort of a sort of step in ownership to a uh, Super Delphin, who um, mm-hmm. 
Then a few months later, ended up fucking them off and then opened up his own company, being a sack of pro wrestling. And he right. took a few wrestlers with him. And I've yeah. had the pleasure of seeing seeing that live when I went over to Japan. You know, it was great. And then find all this information out later on in life. It's like, shit, man. It's all yeah. connected. It's all connected. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah. there's loads of like Japanese wrestlers when you go back and look at ECW footage that kind of came over and did little one-offs. So like Jado and Gado, Anita's been there. Um, yeah. Hayabusa, obviously, to me, one of the best Japanese wrestlers that's ever lived in terms of how incredible he is and just as an enigma, such a wonderful wrestler. Um, even Shinzaki himself yeah. was obviously in a, did some bits in ECW. And people don't realize the relationship that ha- must have happened with Mission Uko Pro and WWF. Um, I don't know if enough people know, and if they don't, they should go and check it out. But during that whole friendship between the two companies where you had, you know, Kai and Tai essentially coming over, they're still under contract for Mission Uko Pro, but they're like, yeah, yeah, go over and get the spotlight. Yeah. There's a big friendship going on there. And I think that was essentially WWF's attempts to kind of like develop their light heavyweight division. And their light heavyweight title had basically been lost in Japan for years and years mm. and years and years and years. Nobody knew yeah. where it was. Yeah. I think part of the deal was bring the light heavyweight title back over with you so it can be back in WWF ownership and then yeah. shock horror the relationship off not long uh, afterwards. I can remember um, covering a pay-per-view with Ultimo Dragon on. Yeah, that's and right. he's got all his, all his belts yeah. he's got. And one of his belts, which he had with him, was the WWF light heavyweight title. Honestly, he'd man. had he'd had for he'd been obviously knocking around in Japan for so many years and he won yeah. it and he just had it and it was like nobody even paid attention to it but it's actually on his big uh, you know two two uh, two shoulders <laughs> full of belts he's like One yeah belts amazing yeah 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 so yeah the belt, yeah so I think I think you know I'm I'm playing conspiracy theories here but I think Vince was probably like we want that belt back. And uh, yeah. that was kind of part of it. We'll bring it over and we'll, you know, and you guys can win it on the show. And obviously Taka held the title for a while as well. But part of the, the friendship was that Undertaker went over to Japan okay. and fought Hakushi right. over in Japan as part yeah. of the kind of friendship. And Hakushi played like a zombie. He was like a zombie character. Okay. Like he came back from the like dead, dead Shinzaki. He came back as like, he'd come back from the dead because he'd be, yeah. it was a crazy storyline behind it. I won't try and, you know, spoil <laughs> yeah. it. But honestly, what a brilliant match. And you see Undertaker doing shit that he wouldn't normally ever do in WWF. He's got a bit more freedom to yeah, yeah. move and he moves a bit quicker. And he's yeah. doing some interesting moves and stuff. But it's during his kind of 97 phase, um, just before he goes down the ministry route and everything, you know, yeah. just do, during the sort of the face taker after the boiler room brawl shit and all that kind of stuff. So it's cool, man. It's like, it's a really interesting part of history. I, I, I don't think um, a lot of people probably recognize yeah. Um, but how intertwined it all is and how it all came about and you know the barely legal pay-per-view essentially gave Takamishinuko a stage to perform on as with the others but mm. then because of that he ended up going to WWF um, and Funaki came over and they've had you know wonderful careers ever since you know yeah um, and really like you said I can see why yeah you said about the whole thing about Heyman using that as kind of a bargaining tool to get them on the show so they might be able to get attention because I can remember um, the build-up to Barely Legal, they were all over at Raw, weren't they? All the load of WCW guys, uh, ECW guys, Heyman was on there running in, uh, Taz and Sabu jumping off the fucking, uh, whatever the, uh, the Raw uh, sign, wasn't it? All, all yeah. pumping Barely Legal. So it would make sense, yeah. So I mean, Definitely, definitely. 
Grace and Sophie gets a pin, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, we'll get back to the match. <laughs> we'll get back. I mean, <laughs> it's, I mean, the best thing to say about this match is it's it's incredibly fast paced. Yeah. Um, the apart from one or two slight miscommunications where they go to do some double teaming on somebody, I think one of the ones that stands out is where. They, they tried to do a triple team maneuver on Suzuki, but they couldn't get him up for the power bomb, and they kind of dropped him a bit and then did it anyway. But yeah. the whole move was that he was going to reverse it, so it looked a little bit kind of disconnected. But yeah. apart from that, I think that kind of woke Suzuki up a bit because, to be honest, I thought he was quite—I thought he was asleep for the first half. Um, yeah. I think most of the triple team and that was happening was going against the young uh, Yaku. You know, he was getting yeah. his ass handed to him uh, big time. But then when you started seeing like. Jesus Christ, Dick Togo's, uh, sorry, um, Hamada's headbutts, man. That yeah. whole rounding up and then that headbutt, that, that delivery of that soup. I've never seen anything like it at that time. Yeah. And Jesus Christ, like he's knocked his head off. Yeah, but, yeah. So he must have dented his head. But um, it's just fantastic and very, you know, high flying, lots of dives. Well, not lots, but a few dives to the outside. It's not over the top. I think that's what I want to try and emphasize here as yeah. well. A lot of fast pace. It's madness. There's a lot going on. There's, it's not over the top to the point where it's ridiculous, like where they're like what a lot of the complaints are today with wrestlers helping each other to get into a spot. So then somebody jumps off the top. You know, it's all sort of heavily orchestrated where they're yeah. helping people into position and stuff. This wasn't like that. It was a lot more organic and just really well done triple team moves and things like that. That was uh, quite fun. Very, very yeah. much so. But yes, um, Taka got pinned by Suzuki. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just go and watch it basically yeah man, think, yeah if, if we went through spot by spot we'd be here for about three hours and it wouldn't do yep. it justice so yeah go and watch the match go watch a match um, and eat some granddad salad if you want to take anything and eat some granddad salad yeah. whilst, whilst watching it yeah see if that yeah. enhances your viewing yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mate well it's been an absolute pleasure uh again that's the thing about doing these shows as well i say it at the end of every episode the matches people come up with a lot of the times as much as i haven't seen so it's a joy to actually go and get go and watch some good matches because like like in a, in a certain episode we did earlier on this year there's a lot of, we do actually get to watch a lot of shite as well it's, it's sort of like you've got to take it rough of the smooth sometimes don't you yeah. when you're covering a pay-per-view there's a lot of there's a lot oh, yeah. of rough let's be honest especially yeah. at that time frame but i think there was some still good takes from that from that yeah. uh, pay-per-view there's some good stuff that happened in it there's yeah. some good middle of the road two good two very good matches yeah whereas when you get to pick a match like this that you really like you can really you know hopefully i don't feel like i've done the match justice because it's very hard to give this kind of match that much spotlight without trying to list off every kind of high-flying maneuver that happened and i don't yeah it's never going to transpire that way you're never going to get that sort of no. you know the buzz that i got from actually watching it so what i can say to people is if you're if you're interested if you've got like an inkling to ecw or anything like that go and watch this match because it, it it's kind of to me what ecw could have been if the I, I didn't mind the, the so a lot of the brawling stuff was good the kind of no DQ stuff it was fun for what it was some of it was utter shit let's be honest and I'm a big yeah. fan yeah 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 um, but this stuff is you know if they led a bit more with this I think it would have done them better going forward because the fans were so into it they were so yeah. so so into it and bear in mind on the pay per view as well the match before that was Landstorm versus RVD so they've yeah. been treated to an absolute treat with that one so yeah. to, to come in after that match and put on something where you've got a standard ovation for it it's fucking well done it's got to be pretty good it's got yeah, to be yeah. pretty good yeah it, yeah man. yeah right yeah go and check it out and thank you mate always a pleasure all good 
and oh, hopefully we'll we'll reconvene at some point in the new year and bang out another episode about something else. Absolutely. <laughs> well, if you don't mind, but I'll quickly drop in as well as I'm running a I'm running a big oh, competition. Yeah, of course, yeah. We're in a big competition at the moment for the uh, the wrestling figure customizers of the world out there. We've had a lot of uh, entries so far, but it's it's through uh, Inside the Ropes magazine. Um, so if you if you go on um, at Grapple Arcade Twitter, the pin tweet, or the last two or three posts on at Grapple Arcade Instagram as well, you'll see a bit more of the information. But simply put, customize an action figure, DM us the image um, that enters the. It's a free to enter competition group of judges from inside the ropes are going to choose what they think is the their favorite custom figure from the from every all the entries and that figure will win a batch of prizes including wrestling figures including this very wrestling figure here along with a few others not that they've not that anybody oh, wow. can see it <laughs> <We're> <laughs> yeah, sure it's yeah. an audio podcast but it's the um the wrestling trade uh, uh retro cello toys um al snow figure that they've just brought out all the yeah. licensed figures and stuff so there's they're, they've donated three of them to the prize pot. There's other prizes to be announced soon. And the winning custom will also feature in the Inside the Ropes magazine as well. Um, a little feature piece so, uh, early next year at some point. So, yeah. yeah, it's a cool competition. Go and check it out if you're interested in painting action figures and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, get fun. involved, people. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Right, mate. I will get together next year and we'll bang some out. And, and we shall finish off with the song from... The Nightmare Before Christmas, which <laughs> neither of us can remember the name of. Uh, but, um, what's this? What's this? We're going to go with that. <laughs> yeah. That's the one, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right, take care, guys, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow for another Bang Bang Christmas Cracker. Cheerio. In a bit. in the air. What's this? I can't believe my eyes. I must be dreaming. Wake up, Jack. This isn't fair. What's this? What's this? What's this? There's something very wrong. What's this? There's people singing songs. What's this? The streets are lined with little creatures laughing. Everybody seems so happy. Have I possibly gone daffy? What is this? What's this? There's children throwing snowballs instead of throwing heads. They're busy building toys and absolutely no one's dead. There's frost in every window. Oh, I can't believe my eyes. And in my bones I feel the warmth that's coming from inside. Oh, look. What's this? 
the hanging mistletoe. They kiss? Why, that looks so unique. Inspired! They're gathering around, hearing story, roasting chestnuts on a fire. What's this? What's this? In here, they've got a little tree. How queer! And who would ever think? And why? They're covering it with tiny little things. They've got electric lights on strings, and there's a smile on everyone. So now correct me if I'm wrong. This looks like fun, this looks like fun. Oh, could it be? I got my wish. What's this? Oh my, what now? The children are asleep. But look, there's nothing underneath. No ghouls, no witches here to scream and scare them or ensnare them. Only little cozy things secure inside their dreamland. <sighs> What's this? The monsters are all missing and the nightmares can't be found. And in their place there seems to be good feeling all around. Instead of screams, I swear I can hear music in the air. The smell of cakes and pies are absolutely the sounds, they're everywhere and all around. I've never felt so good before. This empty place inside of me is filling up. I simply cannot get enough. I want it, oh, I want it, oh, I want it for my own. I've got to know, I've got to know what is this place that I have found. What is this? Christmas town? Oh, 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 oh,